one of the things I've recognized, I turned 50 this past year, and one of the things that I've noticed in turning 50 is that I pay a lot closer attention to the stock market than I ever paid before. I'm paying attention to stocks. And I guess it's as you get closer to retirement, you, you start thinking about those things. So I'm watching what stocks are hot and what stocks are not and watching the market go up, 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 praise the Lord, uh, right now and, and being able to uh, learn all I can about the stock market. One of the first things that I learned when I began to pay attention to the stock market is I probably should have been paying more attention when I was 30 instead of waiting until I was 50. Because one of the things you recognize is that the longer you have to invest, the more return you get on your investment. It's been amazing to study and to begin to read. I got into it and began to look at how incredible it is that these huge, vast fortunes are either gained or lost in a moment's decision. That some of these people in speculation, that they throw it all on the table on a moment's notice with the hope of either gaining huge or gaining or losing everything. And it's amazing when you begin to think how much of our country has been built on those who are willing to invest when no one else was going to invest. How much it's built on those people that were willing to take the risk to invest in something that no one else could see had any worth or value, but yet they poured their resources into it and it paid off. Wouldn't it be awesome to, to have a time machine and to be able to go back and, and invest in some of the things like Microsoft or Apple or Walmart before they ever became big, go back and know that you could uh, put some money in those things and what the return would be? I mean, don't you ever think about that? But the thing that's cool is... You don't need a time machine because there are things like that today that 25 years from now and 30 years from now and 50 years from now will be returning the same type of investment. But it'd be much easier just to go back in a time machine if we had a time machine, right? But the only problem with that is you knowing which stocks to invest in is illegal. You see, if you have insider knowledge or insider understanding before everyone else, that's against the law. It's called insider trading, and it, it involves you using knowledge for your own personal gain for, for stocks or, or bonds or to buy something on the market before anyone else knows. It's what got Martha Stewart thrown in jail. You remember when Martha Stewart went to jail 10 years ago or so? She just happened to decide to sell 4,000 shares of a uh, biotech company that she had invested in a week before the government released a negative report against that biotech company that would have cost her millions. And so she just happened to decide to sell all of those stocks. Well, it came to, to light that she just didn't happen to do it. Someone warned her, and she knew. And it's called insider trading. It's against the law. But, of course, if you grew up in the early 80s, you know all about insider trading because you might remember that insider trading is what cost Mortimer and Randolph Duke their seats on the stock exchange. Uh, that, that cost them their business. If you remember correctly, they investigated and had Mr. Beeks go search out the crop report before it was released so that they could corner the market on the orange futures, only to be thwarted by the work of Lewis Winthorpe and Billy Ray Valentine. And, and that's the, the, the plot to Trading Places, for those of you that have never seen the movie. But it taught me everything I needed to know about insider trading. It was against the law. It was dangerous. It was risky. But see, what I want you to hear this morning is, while insider trading is against the law when it comes to the stock market, Jesus 
all throughout the Bible gives little insider hints for those who are willing to pay attention. Little hints on where and what we need to be investing our time and our resources in. And this morning's passage is one of those instances. This morning's passage is one of those times where where Jesus becomes the investment broker trying to encourage you and I to look at the things that we have invested our life in and he gives us a hint on some things that we need to, to sell because it's going to come up short. And he also gives us a hint on things that we need to double down on because it's about to pay off. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read in verse 19 and through 21. It's not going to be long this morning. It's a simple passage. But I just want to point out a few things to you. Matthew six nineteen. Do not store up for yourself treasures in earth where moth and rust destroy or where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. There was a commercial when I was growing up. It was a, a financial commercial, E.F. Hutton commercial. And some of you may remember it. It was, uh, always would show a busy uh, restaurant or a busy business or a stadium. And everybody's talking. And, and somebody's meeting with their E.F. Hutton broker. And the moment that the E.F. Hutton guy would start to talk, everybody in the restaurant would freeze. Do you all remember that? Yes? No? Universal signs? You remember some of that? Everybody would freeze. It was like the mannequin challenge before the mannequin challenge. Everybody would just stop. And they'd have the whole stadium stop. And then as he spoke everybody would kind of lean in and the whole tagline was when E.F. Hutton speaks people listen well this morning this passage is one of those passages that when Jesus speaks you and I need to listen not only because you are going to be held accountable one day for what I'm about to tell you for what I'm about to explain to you but also because I believe just like I talked about with the table that there is someone here this morning that is about to make a life decision that's wrestling with the the future of some decisions that you have to make. And this passage could make all the difference in the world in the decisions that you make. So I'm praying that you have ears to hear and eyes to see as the Holy Spirit is trying to talk to you about where and how you are investing everything that you have. That's how important this passage is. That's how key this passage is. Now I understand you've probably heard part of this passage before. It's one of the most quoted, most used passages from the Sermon on the Mount. But the problem is, sometimes when you take a passage like this and pull it out of context, it loses some of its meaning and it loses some of its power. And so a lot of us have probably heard verse 21, uh, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. But by not seeing it in context, you lose the power of what Jesus was trying to teach. You see, you remember that this falls in context to our study on the Sermon on the Mount is following Jesus. Jesus has been talking to us as his followers, as his disciples, and he's calling us to a new righteousness. He's telling us now that as Jesus followers, it's not just important what we do, it's important that we do what we do for the right reasons. See, it's not just about our actions anymore, Jesus said. It's about the heart behind the actions. And the whole principle that he's trying to get in Matthew 5 and 6 is that you have been given a changed heart. You see, when Jesus came into your life, he just didn't take the good things that you had to offer, which in reality you had nothing good to offer, no matter what you think about who you were before you became a Christian. 
He didn't take parts of it and add. He got rid of everything that you brought to the table and he gave you a completely new heart. And he says that as a believer, that new heart, as it grows and as it matures, it changes you from the inside out. And the way you can tell where that heart is in the spiritual growth process is by looking at your motives. And Jesus has been going on and on about examining our motives, examining our motives. Why do we pray? Why do we give? Why do we fast? Why do we lose our temper? Why can't we control our emotions? So he's calling us to this new righteousness. He's calling us to a righteousness that is based on a changed heart. That's part of the context. He's warning us that, that we need to examine not just what we do, but why we do. And two of the motives I, I gave you a couple of weeks ago to hold up to a test for everything that you do, ask yourself, does this exalt the king? And does this extend his kingdom? Does it, does it give praise and glory and honor to God and God alone? And does it extend, does it serve his purposes here on earth? You see, before you do anything or as you're doing, ask yourself, in what I'm doing right now is what I'm doing, is it exalting the king and is it extending the kingdom? Because if not, then your motives might not be correct. He says it's about a changed heart. But there's another term he uses in Matthew 5 and 6. He talks about rewards. See, Jesus has been teaching that, that there are spiritual benefits to doing the right thing with the right heart. And if you don't do it with the right heart or the right attitude, then you will not receive the spiritual benefits for doing those things. See, you can pray all day long. But if you're praying for the wrong reasons, the benefits of prayer, which we learned last week is communicating with God, God changing us as we live in the circumstances and situations of our life, changing the way we see things, you lose those benefits if you do it for the wrong reason. And so he's talking about rewards. He's talking about the rewards of a changed heart. Talking about how we can lose those things. How do you lose them? You lose them when you become like the Pharisees, when everything that you do becomes for recognition's sake so that you can get recognized or because it's a ritual or because it's a routine. And sadly, many people in the Christian world, that just described their Christian walk. Recognition, ritual, and routine. Why do I do it? I do it because that's what we do every week, because that's what I do every day, because that's what's expected of me. Jesus is saying, no, you're missing out. And that same two themes goes all the way through this verse. The theme of a changed heart and rewards, that those, those two themes are central to what I just read you from Matthew chapter 6. And you see, if you take these verses out of context, you miss those themes. You see, many people read this passage and think he's talking about money when he says treasure, right? Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And so I can't tell you how many verses and times I've heard people say, instead of treasure, he is talking about money. Well, if you only interpret that passage in these passages to indicate money, you're missing out on what Jesus is saying. Because remember, the underlying current is a changed heart and the rewards that we receive because of that changed heart. And when we lose focus on what he is trying to say here, we fall into the trap of thinking, well, he's just talking about me giving money. So I'm going to read the passage again differently, but instead of using the word treasure, I'm going to add a different word. I'm going to add a word that I think will help us recognize what Jesus is teaching. And as you read through it, I want you to understand why this word is important. So instead of treasure, I'm going to use the term investment. 
You see, to invest in something means to provide or endow someone or some, something with. What do you endow them with? You endow them with three things, really, because all of us have three things that we can invest. Three things that our life is built of that we have the opportunity to invest. First of all, your time. You invest your time. Every day you invest your time in the things that you think is important. The things that are important to your life. You invest time. We invest our talent. That's the spiritual gifts you have. That are the, the gifts that you have that are natural gifts, natural abilities. Those are your passions, the things that you're passionate about. That's part of your talent. You invest your time. You invest your talent. And you also invest your treasure. What's your treasure? That's your stuff. Money, goods, other things that you have. Tangible things. But the Bible says that you and I have time, talent, and treasure that we to invest. Now, if you remember back earlier in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus told us that you and I as Christians are to be second-mile people. Do you remember when He told us that we're not to just do what's expected, that we're to go beyond that, that we're not just to do what is required, we're to go beyond that? The whole idea there is we're to be generous. Jesus said, you and I are called to be generous with what? With our investments, with our time, our treasure, and our talent. Matter of fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, whoever sows, let me change it, whoever invests sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows or whoever invests generously will reap generously. So we understand that we're supposed to, to use our time, talent, and treasure. We're supposed to invest it generously. But we also understand that we can't just sit on it. If you remember the parable of the talents that Jesus gives from Matthew chapter 25, remember that the master was leaving and he gave each of the servants some money. He said, while I'm gone, take care of this money. And the first one went out and wasted it. He blew it. second one buried it in a hole. And the third one invested it. Jesus came back and he held them accountable for what they did with it. He said, I'd much rather you take what is mine that I've given you and invest it. Don't sit on it. And so many believers are sitting on their talent. They're sitting on their treasure. They're sitting on their time for spiritual things. That's not an option. Luke 10, 48 says, To whom much is given, much shall be required. What does that mean? Those who are given more talent, those who are given more time, those who are given more treasure, God expects more from you, especially when it comes to your investments especially when it comes to the things that you give. So if we know that we've been given time, talent, and treasure, and we're, we're called, really commanded to be generous in investing those things, the real question comes, where do we invest them? What are you investing your time, talent, and treasure in? Well, let me go back and reread the passage and take out treasure and put investments. Listen to what he says. Do not store up for yourselves investment in temporary things. He says treasures on earth. But the real translation would be, do not store it for yourself investment in temporary things, things that won't last on earth, where the moth and the rust destroyed, where thieves break and steal. But store up for yourself eternal investments. Treasures in heaven is what he says. Where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your investment is, there your heart will be also. Now I want you to think about that. Where your investment is, there 
your heart will be also. You know what that means? That means if you want to find the reality of someone's heart, look where they're spending their most investments. See, Jesus goes back to the heart issue from Matthew 5 and 6 right here, saying what? You want to be able to determine a changed heart? Look at what they're investing in. You want to determine the condition of your spiritual heart? Then look at your investments. Where are you spending your time, your talent, and treasure? Because regardless of what you say is important, that is what's most important in your life. See, you can come and you can say, oh, I love this and I love spending time here and this is the most important thing in my life. But if your investment portfolio does not show it's the most important thing in your life, then you're a liar because your heart says something different. See, that becomes an indicting verse about the reality of who we are. Now, now before I, I, I look at where Jesus says we need to invest, let me just ask you to do a little, just a little thing in your head. I want you to think about this past week. Past week, we just said, I know some of you don't even remember what you had for dinner last night, but try to, try to think about the things that you did. Where did you spend, invest the most of your time this week? Besides work. Now, I know you, some of you have to work and you have job hours, but let me just say this. The hours that you work beyond the required hours on your job those aren't job hours. Those become investment hours that you're choosing to invest in your job instead of investing in maybe some other things you should be. Where did you spend a majority of your time invested this week? Where did you invest your talent this week? Where did you use your gifts the most? Where did you use your passion? What did you follow passionately the most this week? Where did you use your spiritual gifts, your talents this week? Where did you invest them? Where did you use your treasure this week? What did you spend your treasure on? Think about it. Be honest with yourself. Think, go through your head. Monday, Tuesday, where did I spend my time? Where did I use my talents? When did I use? Did I use my talents? Did I use my gifts this week? Where did I spend my money this week? Because you see, Jesus is suggesting that everything that we do, everything that we say is an investment. And it's an investment in one of two places, he tells us. He says it's either an investment in the temporary or an investment in the eternal. Either it's an investment in the temporary, which is things of this earth, things that are passing, things that will not follow after you, or it's an investment in the things that have eternal significance. Where'd you invest your time? You see, the temporary stuff is stuff we leave behind. It's the stuff that has no significance in heaven. It, it's not bad things. The temporary stuff is not bad things because all of us have those things around in our life. It's just the problem is when you look at so many Christians' life, a majority of their portfolio of investment is in temporary things. Job reminds us in Job 1, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I'll go back. I wonder how many of us are spending so much of our time, talent, and treasure on things that don't matter in the scheme of things. Remember the story of a miserly husband. He hoarded all of his money. He wouldn't put it in a bank. He kept it all around his bedroom. He would stuff it under the sheets. He would keep it in his closet. And he had accumulated about $100,000 cash. Wouldn't let anybody come and look at it. Wouldn't let anybody come and touch it. And when he passed away, he wrote in his will that he wanted that $100,000 to be buried with him. 
He didn't trust his wife, so he wrote to a lawyer and he said, here's what I want in my will. I want you to make sure that you are with my wife and follow her to make sure she puts the money in my casket before I go on the ground because I want my $100,000. And so the lawyer went and told the wife, he said, I don't agree with it, I think it's silly, but this is what his wishes are. So Monday morning when we have the funeral, you need to come and bring the $100,000 so that we can put it in the casket. So Monday morning, the wife get up, she, she grabbed the $100,000, she went down to the bank, she deposited the $100,000 in the bank, she walked straight to the funeral home, she walked with the lawyer straight to the casket, she pulled out her brand new checkbook, she just got at the bank, and she wrote a $100,000 check, tore it off, placed it in her husband's lap, and closed the casket. You can't take it with you. Doesn't follow after you. No matter what you try, no matter how much, those things that are temporary will stay here behind you. Now all of us, as I said, have some temporary investments. It's just part of life. We have a house and a car and all of those kind of things. But the danger is we're overloading our investment in those things. And much like the Pharisees who Jesus warned about, who pray so that people will recognize them or give so that they could be thought to be spiritual, your only reward, your only return on your investment is what you get right now. And some are going to get to the end of their lives and they're going to look at everything that they've invested, all of their time and their talent and their treasure on and realize it's going to be gone. It's worthless. Listen, as a pastor, I've been with many, many, many people in their last days, even in their last hours, even in their last minutes. Not one person, not one time in that last days, in that last minute, in that last hours, did somebody look at me and say, I wish I had a new car. I wish I had more time so I could have a bigger house. I wish I would have worked a little more so that I could have gotten a raise or so I would have got that promotion. I wish I could have accumulated more stuff. No one has ever said that to me. They've all said, I wish I had more time to invest in the people and the things that were really important. I wish I'd use my resources for more things that counted. I love the, the end of Schindler's List when Oscar Schindler is being taken away after finally coming to his senses and using all of his money, all of his resources to free these people and, and to hide them and to get them out of Nazi Germany, these people who were under a death sentence. And he's being led away, and you may remember the scene, he's at his car, and, he, and all of a sudden it begins to dawn on him that he probably could have done a lot more. He did great things, but he began to realize that I should have done more. And in the scene, he takes off his watch and he looks. He says, listen, this watch will free three people. He said, let me go through my stuff because there's stuff that would still free more people. Because you see, he realized that there was investments in eternity that he could have made if he'd only taken the time. You see, Jesus' insider information for you and I this morning is that we are called to open our eyes to the things that are eternal and invest in those things. That we are supposed to use our time and our talent and our treasure investing in those people and those things and those ministries that will make a difference in eternity. Use your time and talent and resources to pour into people and to ministries that are touching eternity now. Use your, your, your talent to, to serve, to give of yourself, to pour yourself into people. I've told you the Bible is very clear that only two things last forever. 
The Bible says the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God will stand forever. This book will always be here. And the second thing is the souls of men. So our job should be to invest in those things that extend this and reach the souls of men under the guise of does it exalt the king, does it give God glory, and does it extend his kingdom? You see, we've got to be about using our resources to bless others and to bless their ministries, to support missions, to support the church, to support ministries that are ministering around the world. Listen, an eternal investment is not a tax write-off. It's not about an hour of your time taken. It's about making a difference for eternity. See, God calls us to invest in the things that will give Him glory and extend His kingdom. So now go back to that list. What you did this week, where you spent your time, where you spent your talent, where you spent your treasure. How many of those things were temporary things? And how many of them were eternal? How many of those things that you were passionate about, that you invested in, will make a difference for the kingdom of God. Will make a difference in people's lives. Or how much of it is temporary. My newsletter article in February, I mentioned a recent poll that found that 87% of unchurched people have said that they would be willing to go to church if they were personally invited. I want you to think about that because we talk about how many unchurched people there are in the United States. 87% have said that if someone would simply invite them. Let me ask you this. How much of your time, talent, and treasure did you invest in someone that you know does not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this week? How much of your time, talent, and treasure did you invest on somebody that you know that lives around you, that works around you, that hangs out with you, that you know doesn't have a faith community? I'm not talking about doing something crazy. I'm talking about just personally inviting someone, taking a few minutes to call, to knock on a door, to visit face-to-face. How much time did you spend on those things versus temporary things this week? See, if God was looking at your spiritual portfolio this morning, what would it say about your heart? What would it say about what's important to you? See, let me close. Let me just give you a practical investment understanding. The cool thing about this passage is Jesus just didn't give us this one stock tip and leave. He left behind the guide. He said, I'm going to tell you how you can invest. But he also left behind a broker. And it lives inside of you called the Holy Spirit. And you see, when you commit yourself to investing your time and your talent and your treasure on eternal things, the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you on a daily basis. And he'll begin to show you that person you need to invest in them. Invest your time, invest your talent, invest your, that ministry. You need to go invest in them. That group, that organization, that opportunity, you need to go invest in them. But you can only hear his voice if you're willing to listen. It's kind of like that E.F. Hutton commercial again. 
The Holy Spirit speaking and you're too busy investing in the things that you want or the things that you like instead of listening to the things that will count for an eternity. See, Jesus is trying to help you out. Because one day the stock market's going to crash. And the only thing that's going to count for anything are the things that we invested in eternal things. The things that matter. I have people that come to me all the time say, Pastor, I think we need to do this ministry. Pastor, I think we need to reach this group. Pastor, I think we need a small group for this group or, or to teach this or, or to do that. And, and, and I, I, my response is always praise the Lord. But if you see the need, maybe you're called to lead. Because see, the church doesn't do the investing. We're the brokerage house. We provide the opportunity for you to invest. We provide the opportunity for you to come and use your talent, to use your treasure, to use your giftedness, whether that's singing or playing or preaching or teaching or serving or leading a group. We provide the opportunity, but you've got to be the one that is willing to say, I want to invest. And the way the Holy Spirit operates, and I've told you this before in our church, the way the Holy Spirit operates, if God is telling you here is a need that our church is not meeting, here is a group that we could minister to, then maybe God is telling you that you need to lead. And what I commit to you as the pastor is we will do everything we can to help you invest, to help you meet that need, to help you serve. Whatever it is, you come to me and say, Pastor, we're supposed to be doing this. I'll pray with you and I'll do whatever we can to publicize, to get more people to invest, to help. But I need somebody that's willing to step up. See, we can't just keep coming and saying, you know, it's like the people that come and say, Pastor, I've got a lost friend. Will you go witness to him? No. I'll pray you will. I'll pray with you. I'll help you and encourage you. But if God is putting somebody on your heart, that means you are supposed to be the avenue and the means to be able to do it. It's time that we start investing in the things that matter. It's time that we start investing all that we've been given in things that count. See, if you go to a financial planner, before they ever talk about your future, the first thing they want to do is look at what you're investing in now. So the question for us this morning is to start by honestly examining where our investments are. Where are you putting your time? Where are you putting your talent? Where are you putting your treasure? Who's it in? Is it temporary or is it eternal? Because you see, for me, from the time God began to speak to my heart, that verse I read earlier from Luke twelve forty eight has haunted me. To whom much has been given much shall be required. Let me rephrase that for this morning. To those who have been invited to His table, much is expected. It's time for you to start looking at your investments and ask yourself, what am I doing with what I've been given? Let's pray.